Welcome to God's Planning, Contemplative Preachers, Contemporary Age. Each week, join the Dominican Friars as they consider all things Catholic. Welcome back to God's Planning. We're delighted to have you here on our second installment of Guest Planning, which, in addition to being a strange way of putting two words together and making a small pun on our name, is also an opportunity to break open the conversation beyond the ordinary five friars who contribute uh, for a variety of reasons. One, we're not that interesting. Two, we also get tired of each other. And three, you get tired of us. So as a way to add some leaven to the conversation, we, uh, we've had guests now for a grand total of two months. So it's, it's become a trend. Um, so as to, yeah, again, break over that conversation and add some, some new insights uh, and some new encouragement to, uh, for you, the, the audience, for you, the listener. So this week or this month, we're delighted to have Father Mike Schmitz uh, joining us. Uh, so Father Mike, thanks so much for uh, accepting the invitation. Uh, for, for, our, for our listeners, if you wouldn't mind just saying a word of introduction, where you're coming from, what you do, who you are, those types of things. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Also, uh, my name is, as you mentioned, Father Mike Schmitz. I <laughs> am a diocesan priest in Duluth, Minnesota, and I am the chaplain at the University of Minnesota Duluth, so I'm on campus chaplain, as well as the director of youth ministry for our diocese. Uh, for the last, six, I think, the 16th or 17th year, I've been in that position, and so it's kind of been uh, I think they just forgot about me. I just said, keep doing whatever you're doing. Um, and uh, right now, I am I'm washed out because I'm looking out at this gorgeous uh, snowfall that we had. We had a blizzard uh, that last like basically 24 hours, and it was insane. It was crazy on my drive to my parents' place, and so I'm, I am recording this or doing this conversation, having this conversation with you from my parent, my, my dad's house, and uh, yeah, it, which explains the moose picture behind me <laughs> and the uh, the wooden walls. And I don't know if anyone can see, but it's uh, yeah. it's pretty awesome to be able to be here. Yeah with you here there <laughs> <laughs> it's rustic and it conveys a kind of uh, classic sense of minnesota um you uh have an excuse Absolutely. for looking like washed out and blanched uh we by comparison don't have an excuse <laughs> we always look this bad regardless of whether or not we're looking at snow because we don't go outside um so congratulations for being normal you're always reading you're always studying <laughs> that's it that's the kind hope. of just kind of <laughs> sitting inside really kind of wasting time uh yeah Woo! so there you go uh, yeah great father gregory of course didn't introduce me but why would he so it's great uh, father jacob bertrand here too so just so you know the third verse that chimes in if you're not watching there's someone else here it's not just some well it's some guy lurking in the background but at least you know who it is so uh, I'm here too. Thanks, Father Gregory. It's yeah. great. And also, just um, for the record, the sort of having guests because we get tired. I don't really get tired of listening to myself. So <laughs> other people probably don't either. But it's good to have a guest nonetheless. It's great to have Father Mike with us. So it's, Dang, it's a lot man. of fun. I'm I just chastened. want the record to be clear, to be straight, nobody to be confused. So thank you. you have no, it. Yeah. Greatly appreciated. I take mm -hmm. it all back as concerns you and attribute Perfect. it twofold to myself. Excellent. Um, so Father for this conversation, Patrick, probably. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, I suppose so. Uh, for this conversation, we thought that we would talk a little bit about the place of the body in our living of life kind of in general, our living of our Catholic lives in particular. Um, and I guess the way to maybe motivate the question or a way to introduce it would be to think in, in terms of like how much the body matters. Um, so our culture's kind of of two minds when it comes to this, because on the one hand, it seems like the body matters a lot because you hear a lot of things about you know, eating healthily and exercising and 
you know, things of that nature. Um, but on the other hand, it seems like the body doesn't matter too terribly much because, yeah, I mean, people kind of do all kinds of wild things with their bodies without thinking too terribly much of it. Um, right. So people might have a variety of sexual partners in the course of the same month without really skipping a beat. Or you think in terms of like, I don't know, transgenderism, you can, you can change your body. Uh, maybe that's indicating that it does matter. Maybe it's indicating that it doesn't hard to say. So maybe just to kind of get the conversation started, father Mike, um, what would be your kind of approach to the question of does the body matter? And, you know, specifically in your conversations with the students whom you serve and minister to, like, how do you, how do you motivate this question for them or how do you bring it into focus? You know, that's, it, it's such a great question because I think that, um, as you, as you noted, we don't necessarily have an agreement or we don't even necessarily have an understanding of what the body is or the value of the body. Um, one of the things that I found has been really helpful as a kind of a breaking, a breakthrough point, uh, when it comes to talking with our students is um, we usually set up, especially when we're talking about like theology of the body, because that's that's when you have people who are asking the question um, as opposed to just kind of stepping into someone's life and saying, by the way, here's something you should know about the body. But when people are there, they're, maybe they're tired of what you're describing. They're tired of, okay, so the body has to, it's so important that it has to look like this or be like this, or it's so uh, disposable that it doesn't even matter. But someone who's really trying to answer the question or find the answer to the question of like, so what is the role of the body in my life? Uh, what is the, what is God's vision for the body? Um, and one of the things that the break, one of the breakthrough kind of phrases or like teachings, I think is just the uh, kind of having us maybe, maybe say even the beginnings of a solid anthropology, which would be, uh, so what is a human person? What is a human being? Well, the human being is a body. So this is to say that you you are your body. And for people to hear that, just kind of like it's something when they're open, right? When they're open to it, it's like, oh, wait. So I so even C.S. Lewis, with whom who I love very much, and I, his, he has taught me so many things. At one point, he says, you are not your body. You have a body. You are a soul. And I would disagree. I would say that, no, you you are a body and soul composite. Like that's what human beings are. And so it, just as in some ways, just as highly as you value your soul, we would also value your body. And so that is like the first kind of step um, for people to kind of move forward. A lot of times is kind of a breakthrough new thing or a, a big through new understanding claim that they have to wrestle. The church has a pretty good um, grasp of a lot of the questions people say, people would bring up. So for example, they'd say, well, yeah, but your, your soul is eternal and, or your soul is immortal. And you'd say, well, yes, but uh, so you know, I know that I don't want to be, I don't want to misuse terms. So your soul is immortal. Yes, correct. Not eternal. Um, uh, it's a yes, but the body's destined for the resurrection mm-hmm. and order uh, ultimately to be immortal. Um, and so say this, 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 or you'd even say John Paul II's very, very famous quote of, uh, the body and it alone has the ability to reveal, make visible what is invisible, the human and divine. That mm-hmm. saying the body, it alone has the ability to make visible the invisible. So what is the invisible reality? Well, your soul, uh, what reveals that? What communicates that? Your body and it alone, there's nothing else that you have that can communicate like the true you. And that's the thing is like when you get this, uh, even the issue of like say transgenderism, um, you would say, but the real me is such and such. Well, yeah, but your body and it alone has the ability to uh, reveal the what's hidden and uh, the, the, the 
real quote unquote real you. And though both those things have to line up. Anyways, I can go on and on. But that's the first step that I think a lot of times um, is helpful for people to realize like, no, you are a body and soul composite. That's what a human being is. And um, and to not have those together united in uh, harmony is 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 death. Um, and yeah, that's a first step. One of the, um, I think one of the first times I, I realized that distinction, or I, I don't know if it's a distinction, but the reality that you're that you're talking about, Father Mike, is when um, when I think it was here at the House of Studies and Father Gregory, I think we took the class together, the Creation of the Human Person course, when when our professor was talking about um, sort of running through a, a human anthropology and, and these kind of things, and um, one of the things that he pointed out, I think it was him, was that you know when when a person is is dead when you have a dead body, that's, that's not actually a person, it's a body. Right. And that, you know, the person in heaven before the second coming, we wouldn't properly call that a person because the soul and, and the body are, are separate. And that's not something that I've ever thought about. So like, while we're living, of course, we were properly people because we are a body soul composite, as you were explaining. And then when we get our bodies back again at the second coming, we'll properly be people, a body soul composite yet again. And I think that's really uh, kind of a, a big kind of uh, point to, to remember that, like, what is the person? Who is the person? And that what we do, because we're so intimately connected that what we do in our body affects our soul and what we do with our soul, as it were, affects our body. They're not divisible, sort of uh, discrete entities. So I, I don't know what you think, Father Mike, but what have you, uh, with respect to like people, you said that people who are open, they hear this and they're kind of like, whoa, that's, that's a big deal. Um, how does that, how do you think that changes, you know, people who are trying to grow deeper in their relationship with Christ in their spiritual life, how do you think that should change? Or how do you think that does change like one's relation to the body? How should the body be approached then? How should it be treated? Um, if we're also trying to grow in our relationship with Christ, uh, you know, in a spiritual sense, you know, the two can't be divorced. So how does that, what does that look like for, for the body then? Yeah, no, I think that's a phenomenal question because that is the next question. And I think that the next step would be, um, if I am my body, then what I do with my body matters. Hmm. And, and again, like you said, not divorced from like my, but my interior reality is my motivation is like, but no, if you are your body, then what you do with your body matters. And it's almost um, kind of a simple or simplistic, well, simple, I'll say, uh, example would be, I remember hearing a, a preacher or a teacher say years ago, he was talking to um, like, hey, husbands out there. Um, he said something along the lines of, um, you, uh, if you, you, you claim that you love your wife, but if your, your calendar, your schedule doesn't have her in it, then, then how, can, how can she really know that you love her? Uh, because she can see your calendar. She's like, oh, I love her in my heart. Like, yeah, but, you, but she can see your calendar. She can't see your heart. Like she can see your schedule. She can't see your heart. In so many ways, that's you know, similar. You can make that, that, that translation in it or that, the parallel to our relationship with the Lord where we can say, um, oh, no, I really love Jesus. Well, have you prayed recently? Have you like carved out time for him? Like, well, no. I mean, well, of course, in this case, God can see our heart. But we recognize that if just like, oh, I loving someone in my heart, uh, it doesn't really mean anything unless I actually love them with my actions, then uh, we'd say the, the same thing about a relationship with the Lord or even with the body. So if I am my body, what I do with my body matters. And because of that, um, I have to ask the question, if someone were to merely see my actions, yeah. would they be able to say that's a person who 
uh, follows Christ. That's a person who is living justly. That's a person who's living uprightly. That's a person who cares about other people. Because again, uh, like you said, you had said, the the what we do with our bodies actually affects our soul, and our our soul needs to have an effect on our bodies and our actions. And so I think that once we see some of those things, it cuts. It, I think I think one of this thing, one of the things this does is it begins to cut the line between. Um, body worshiper, the cult of the body, as in St. John Paul II, again, he talked about this thing, when he did the whole theology of the body, he was affirming the goodness, the dignity, the importance, the value of the body, um, but he also warned against this thing called the cult of the body, which would prize health, youth, uh, fitness above all things, and uh, to the exclusion of the soul, to the exclusion of that relationship with the Lord, and I think even to a distortion of the ultimate end of health, and, and I think that health in and of itself, obviously, right, is a good, but maybe it's not the ultimate good, right? It, it's meant to bring us along the path towards the ultimate good. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. As you're talking, I'm thinking about the kind of logic that the Apostle John uses in his first letter, where he says, mm -hmm. if I say I love my brother, right, but effectively don't in the body, then I'm a liar. Um, yeah. It's, it's interesting, like what you describe, it has, it has big implications uh, in terms of like faith and works, right? It's not that we believe that we're justified by works, it's that we believe that we're justified by faith breathing forth love, and that love always has a bodily dimension. Um, I guess kind of like where that, where that takes my mind with regard to, you know, like I'm thinking of your ministry in particular. Say you have a student who comes to you, maybe he was in a Bible study with a focused missionary, and now he's interested in getting more involved in his faith. Um, and let's say that he has a kind of tendency towards activism. So he's not only is he signed up for this Bible study, but now he's in discipleship. He's doing, you know, 50 things academically, but now he's doing 50 things extracurricularly. And he has this kind of tendency to be like, I don't know, like, mm, activist, I suppose, about his approach to the thing. What do you do to kind of mm -hmm instill something of a balance between body and soul, as it were, to kind of speak in the terms with which we introduce the question, but more broadly, like the invisible and the visible. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think because, uh, so I keep going back to what you're describing. I keep going back to the book, The Soul of the Apostolate. Um, mm. So here's someone, the book, The Soul of the Apostolate, so good. I've never finished it. I've only, gotten, I've, I've only read the first and second chapters like 20 times because <laughs> I said, there's so much to chew on. There's so much to this. It keeps keeps bringing me back to this place of like oh yeah that's right oh yeah and what the whole at least the first two chapters are um is a is a warning against activism a warning against what he calls the heresy of good works not what you're describing which is uh like separating faith and works but is that the idea that the whole spiritual life is just about going out and doing good um and he says no actually that has that that those works have to be not just informed um, they have to be motivated by, they have to be sustained by a depth of relationship of uh, abiding in the Lord. And so I really like these two terms because um, they're kind of physical terms, they're, they're verbs, but abiding and striving mm -hmm. and, and to hold those two intentions. So here's one of the young men or even the young women who will come to our Bible studies. We have a lot of kind of activists, both male and female. Um, I feel like they're checking the boxes and like, okay, that's fine. There's a, there's a certain motion like striving. I even think about how biblical that is, that when the person comes to Jesus and says, um, uh, are there many in heaven? Are many saved or, or not? And 
Jesus says, wide is the road that leads to hell and narrow the road that leads to heaven. But then he says, but you strive. Mm -hmm. Man, that's so key. Like we have to be striving. Jesus says, strive. At the same time, all throughout John's gospel, he uses that menene and the abide in me or remain in me as well. And so we can't have real striving, true striving, unless we're first and continually abiding. And so one of the things that I'll have to continually invite our students to is um, that the returning to the Lord and uh, sitting in his presence, being in his presence, uh, entering that meditative prayer. In fact, we have a deacon. Uh, he lives right across the campus from us. And so he kind of, he, he's retired. And so he has elected, he selected himself to uh, be our deacon. <laughs> he just kind of comes over and helps with everything. Uh, what I mean by that is he doesn't deacon, he doesn't help assist in the liturgies at all because he has an assignment at parishes. Mm -hmm. He just comes over and if things are broken, he'll fix them. If things need cleaning, he'll like, hey, we need to get somebody on this and he'll recruit people. Um, <laughs> and one of the things he's pointed out is he says, Father, you have a really great Mary ministry here. We need to start a Martha ministry. Uh, because we have a lot of students who pray regularly and they and they and they are in the Lord's presence like they're committed to prayer crazy he's a Mary ministry he's like we really really need to have a Martha ministry because his issue if he notices is we need to translate that abiding into like striving and in into service and so I'm like oh yeah it can go both ways it can cut both ways really easily yeah no that's that's a great and sobering point for those of us who I uh, think may sometimes emphasize uh, a disposition of waiting on the grace of God that never actually eventuates in action. <laughs> um, but be <laughs> before we get to the, uh, the work of, you know, self-accusation, well, we'll never get to that work. Um, well, it's gonna, we're going to take a, a short break here, and then we'll, we'll come back to wind up the discussion. This is God's Planning. Get up to date on all our latest episodes at opeast.org slash godsplaining. And we're back. So thanks so much for uh, joining us here for this episode of Godsplaining. We're delighted to have Father Mike Schmitz joining us from uh, the frozen tundra of Minnesota. Um, so having braved a blizzard and the attack of a moose over his right shoulder, he now is here with us in this conversation, and we're delighted to have him. I guess uh, for another topic, uh, a small thought that kind of um, emerges from some of the things that we've, we've teased out in the first half of the episode is um, I, I want to kind of think about uh, recklessness uh, in the spiritual life and maybe what the body has to do with that. What do I mean? Okay, I'm thinking of a passage from G.K. Chesterton where he talks about, um, it's like his reading of this passage in scripture, you have to lose your life to save it. And he says, you know, like a soldier has to be willing to come within an within a hair's breadth of death in order to, you know, carry out his mission. He has to, in a certain sense, be reckless. We would say he has to be courageous, but, but sometimes courage or bravery looks a lot like recklessness because it takes that, you know, kind of mustering that moral energy to overcome cowardice. Now, I think that like, um, you know, working with young people, you probably, you know, like work with folks who are a little more inclined to recklessness than your average elderly type. Um, so I don't know for how long, you know, like summer lasts in Minnesota, but you know, if they're jumping off train bridges, you know, if you're doing rope swings, if they're skydiving, Rocky mountain climbing, spending 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu, all the above. Right. Um, what, what, like, what, what are the ways that we should think about, um, undertaking risk or kind of encouraging or moderating a spirit of recklessness in the body? Because we don't want to be timid 
in body. We don't want to be timid in soul, but we also want to take care of our body. So maybe tease some of that out or if you could comment on some of that. Yeah, that's so interesting. That's such a, so, uh, yes. Um, one of the things that I found more than anything is with a particular generation, um, maybe a particular two generations that I've been working with on campus because the iteration of uh, the millennial generation, which again, is just broad strokes. And so when we just name that, it's kind of like, okay, you're throwing this out um, with iGen or Gen Z or whatever you want to call the current uh, generation on campuses is maybe less of a recklessness in the ways you're describing. We, mm-hmm. we have, have had like the jumping off train bridges. We have had um, those people who are like, yeah, I went to Spain, did the bull run. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's so cool because it's so rare right now. What I found is it's incredibly rare. Now, I also go to the internet and there are some incredible um, Twitter pages that have uh, like, it's like, there's one called Hold My Ale and it basically, it's the idea is like, hold my beer while I do this stu- stupid thing. And it's awesome. It's so hilarious. But there's people taking those risks you're talking about, which is like this recklessness, this disregard for the body that I think, why, why in the world would you do this? But what I've found is at least our students or our young people, they have to be more encouraged to risk, not necessarily risk uh, bodily harm, but that that risk muscle as far as... Uh, like, no, there's, there's no guarantee when it comes to life. And there's no guarantee when it comes to success. And there's no guarantee when it comes to your next step or even following the Lord. Um, and so the, the risk muscle, I think, is in some ways atrophied in a lot of the people that I'll encounter uh, a particular generation. At the same time, there uh, could be a tendency towards wisdom as well. That sense of like, I don't need to unnecessarily put myself at risk um, because I'm kind of growing. I, I might have a certain element of uh, foresight that others maybe on this webpage don't, <laughs> but um, well, I, I, I've seen maybe a little bit less of that, like that, that kind of that recklessness when it comes to, um, I'll put myself at, in, in physical harm or phys- physical uh, danger. And, but I, I have seen a tendency towards timidity when it comes to choices, when it comes to decisions, when it comes to asking people out, like, oh my gosh, how many times do I have to say, no, gentlemen, just go ahead. If you think she likes you, ask her out, you know, just like take that step. Um, yeah, but what if she says whatever, like, okay. Uh, so I don't know if that answers uh, a response to your question. I think I don't necessarily see a lot of the recklessness. Um, I would like to see some more of it, but at the same time, I don't mind when they're not uh, saying, let me jump over that bonfire like yeah that's okay you don't need to you don't need to do that now one of the 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 kind of list that father gregory mentioned referring i don't know what song that was i know the song um but about that that bowl that was that was kind of lame but that's all right he did it uh we don't edit so it'll stay it'll stay in the episode so uh those those things were i mean he was kind of referring to the more i don't know not extreme but sometimes more extreme things of um uh that that are i guess perhaps bigger life questions, or even if it's asking a girl on a date or a gentleman on a date, those are those are bigger questions than kind of just perhaps the day to day. But even in the sort of day to day care of the body, Father Mike, what, what, what is what do you think is like an appropriate relationship to like, I guess, as in our now we're so like health conscious, and we're so worried about Mm -hmm. like the food that we're eating, whether it's organic or non GMO, or like the little micro beads we're putting in the water from like using a face wash or like how much we exercise. Um, I forgot I was trying to remember where I heard it. But um, I was it was either a book that I was reading or something that I was listening to that like, it it was a Christian speaker and saying that like the 
the way in which we exercise, even just to maintain the body reflects, as you were saying earlier with like the calendar schedule thing actually reflects what we think about our, our body and could even reflect our, you know, what we think about our relationship with Christ, how we approach these just kind of routine daily things. So I guess the virtue is always in the mean, but if, if you could flesh that out, what that looks like, what that should look like, you know, what, what's an appropriate relationship with the day-to-day bodily care. Um, I think, I think that's, that's yeah. important to, to consider too. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great question. In fact, uh, right after this, after our interview, uh, my family, I mentioned, I'm in my hometown. And uh, so all my siblings and all my nieces and nephews are going over to one of our siblings' houses to do a workout together. Uh, because this is what we do kind of when it comes to holidays, when it comes to like when we get together, like we that's work awesome. out together. Something and so that would never happen in one stop. of our Dominican houses. We would never <laughs> exercise together. <laughs> that's awesome, though. That's very cool. But but there's an element there where, like you said, there's, there's some virtue um, at the same time uh evil is good that's distorted or misused or abused or that you know and so um or the absence of the good and so one of the things that i've had to wrestle with because as as i have mentioned maybe in other contexts i my my parents have always when i was growing up they were always uh doing marathons or they're always doing ski marathons or doing track lines and it, so it was just kind of a normal thing oh, but like, it, the question was never did you work out today the question was what'd you do today like wh- what how did you exercise today um, and so we just came from a culture of like, this is just normal way to like stay fit and to whatever. Um, so there's, I would say kind of a balance in just saying this is a normal thing to do because you have a body and because there's something that is good for maintenance or even good for competition or good for um, kind of improving oneself. At the same time, as a Christian, I have to stop and ask, okay, how did, uh, how has the body been seen throughout over the course of the years? And the recognition, it seems to me to be uh, the goodness of the body is not only that, okay, you are your body, but it is uh, in some ways utility. Uh, no, not entirely utility, but there's a sense of like, how can I put myself at the service of the Lord? Like, how can my body be at the service of loving God, loving neighbor? Um, and so health, having that end being, okay, I can use this now for love of God and love of neighbor. And so... Um, once that turns in on oneself and it's simply again that distortion of like health being an an opportunity to serve no health is just an opportunity for me to be more self-involved i would say oh my gosh there's been a distortion here um even you know uh saint francis of assisi the um founder of the franciscans i don't know if you knew that but he he, would he call his body he called his body brother ass and that sense of not demeaning it but in the sense of saying no it's it's proper place in many ways is for service, its proper place is um, the health of the one's body is oriented towards service, and so so is lack of health, right? So what I mean by that is, um, here's someone whose body is uh, it's breaking down, or when my my body is I, I experience chronic pain, or I experience this this thing that I can't get rid of, and there's there's some suffering involved. Like, okay, how can I use this suffering for the service of God and or love of God and service of my my neighbor? Like that sense of like. Whereas health is hopefully oriented towards that outward expression, outward giving, even suffering in the body can be the same direction. It can be oriented toward that same service. And so when, you, you, when we ask, when we look at the world around us and we say, okay, there seems to be kind of like, again, the cult of the body that, that on first glance exalt the body, lifts it up and like, ah, but for its own sake, as opposed to for a greater purpose. And I think a lot of, I mean, we could do it with work, right? We can do that with any other good family. We can do that with, with uh, 
any even even ministry can be like but but there's an end beyond this thing that it's it's a good in of itself but not the ultimate good in and of itself and even not even the highest or higher there are higher goods uh yeah i i really like that I, distinction I, between oh sorry father i i really like that distinction between um asking like is, is what i'm doing with my body serving is that oriented towards serving, towards worship of God, towards praising God and, and serving others? Or is it kind of self-involvement? Is it something that turns turns what I'm doing just into myself? It was, it's just self-focused. And I think that's a really helpful kind of uh, metric to, to measure up against. So I like yeah. that a lot. Well, I appreciate that because I think that there's, there's at the same time, obviously, <clears throat> there's going to be, like, I do this because it's enjoyable as well. Like, I, I like... Um, playing like I, I think some of you are or both of you maybe were athletes in that sense of like like playing basketball like I like doing these things there's 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 a certain element to it um but I would say this I would say that I you know one, one of my thoughts in preparing for today's conversation <clears throat> one of the the wounds I see that happens with so many of our uh young people and old people is is um when it comes to the cult of the body that gets distorted so so many like eating disorders and so much even that that term like bodying um or even just kind of people i found so many people with a loathing for their own bodies yeah. um and and in that like one of the one of the elements that is, becomes destructive is um the uh so here's an example uh, i remember speaking with a young woman who um she was talking about how when she was she was a, a division one gymnast and this is before she now has been graduated. And one of the things that she had done was uh, she said, yeah, when I was a gymnast, I, I was uh, like this kind of this body fat and this level of eating and this level of whatever. And, and that's the ideal. That's I looked like you should look as a gymnast. And now I'm not a division one gymnast anymore. I'm past college. And, and just kind of like the sense of like, again, uh, dislike of her own body and a even self-loathing kind of a situation. And one of the things that in the course of our conversation uh, was going back to functionality, going back to utility and, and saying, okay, so when you were a gymnast, why would you want to have this kind of body? Well, because that kind of body translates into good gymnastics. Like that kind of body means you can do the things that gymnasts can do at the level you're at, which is massively high. And then the question I have to ask is, okay, now you're no longer a gymnast, therefore you no longer need a gymnast body because it serves a function. And so, uh, and so what are you now? Like, well, I, I want to be able to, and, and she was able to articulate, like, I'd love to be able to be a mom. Like, I'd love to be able to be um, a healthy woman in the world who does X, Y, and Z. Okay, then your vision then of the perfect quote unquote body, ideal body looks like this gymnast. But that's only because when you were, that was the ideal body for gymnasts. Now you get to actually reorient this. And I think one of the things that has hurt so many of our young people is so uh, with uh, media, social media, all these things is here is the quote unquote ideal body. And whoever looks, is flipping through their Instagram or flipping through their whatever and saying, okay, that's the ideal. I have to ask the question, for what? Like for what purpose? Mm -hmm. um, I just like that look like that, but wait, but that's not how you're made. And so what would your quote unquote ideal body be is, well, how do I answer that? What do you want to do with your body? I want to be able to serve the people around me, or I want to be able to run a marathon or whatever the thing is, right? So that sense of like, it gets away from both 
exaltation of the body as well as denigration of the body, I think, because it's like, no, but the proper purpose of the body is to uh, be able to make visible the invisible and is to love God and serve others. Um, so does, does that make sense? I, I think I, I, when talking with some people about that, it really, it's actually even helped, not actually, but it's helped <laughs> me as well um, to, 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 because I mean, I don't think that I would say that I'm not immune from the same kind of thing of like, oh, I would like to be X, Y, or Z. And like, wait, have this pause and say, to what end? Mm -hmm. uh, is this just for my own self-satisfaction, for my own kind of vanity? Or is this for a purpose so that I can accomplish what God wants me to accomplish, um, loving him and serving others? Yeah. And I think um, the example that you give of St. Francis of Assisi and referring to his body as Brother Ass, you know, for, with this idea of utility, you think of, you know, St. Francis Assisi kind of broke his body down for the yeah. glory of God, you know, and he's, I think it's described that he had his brothers lay him out naked on the ground. And at the, at the point, you know, like by the end of his life, he had been crying. So, so many tears in penitence that he had gone blind. And I mean, it's just a broken, broken man at the end of his days. Yeah. But like, again, to think of a, a Chester, a Chesterton quote, he, he has, eyes like kind of lit up right the the wild eyes of a witness because he's seen something and his body has been used uh, as it were right for for that for that end he was very cognizant of the end um yeah i'm very i'm very encouraged by that uh that that for me is very clarifying and helpful and i i hope i suspect that our that our listeners will find it very much so as well um we're actually winding up here so um thank you so much for having joined us uh make made the time while visiting your your uh, your family we're very <laughs> grateful for that um, maybe it's just as just a, a last thing. Is there is there any way in which our listeners can um, support you, support your mission, support your students uh, with prayers or gifts or anything of that sort? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I, I, as I said, it's it's my honor to be able to join uh, the both of you today. Um, as well as I have been so personally helped by Aquinas One Hundred One, um, that YouTube channel so good, as well as the rest of the resources you all put out is is just it's it's phenomenal um so thank you uh for that uh secondly i don't know if the people want uh we have a, a couple things i we have a, a podcast uh, that is like weekly podcast at uh on itunes and all the other places that's umd newman right now it's it's all it is umd as a university of minnesota duluth newman it's a uh, weekly homilies and then we have of course essential presents which is a youtube uh thing as well starting uh very soon january 1st is a Bible in a Year podcast. So I'll be uh, reading through the entire RSV uh, Second Catholic Edition <laughs> um, according to the uh, Great Adventure Bible Timeline. So if you're familiar with Jeff Cavins, he has this Great Adventure Bible Timeline where he divides the period, the salvation history into 14 or 12 periods over 14 narrative books. And so we go through all 73 books, but we follow the, the narrative itself and then have um, those other non-narrative books like in their context. So I'm super excited about this. And if someone is like, I'm listening to this after January 1st, like it's not, it's not timestamp. It's, it's just day one through day 365. And uh, you can put it on double speed if you want and you can get through it really quick. <laughs> um, but that's, that's kind of the new initiative that, that uh, I just had in my heart to, um, I'm like, I need to have a more biblical worldview and I want to share that with other people. And so I proposed this to Ascension and they were like, yeah, that's what we want too. And so uh, we're kicking that off at, with the new year. That's awesome. That sounds fantastic. Um, 
So thanks so much uh, again for having joined us. Thanks to our listeners for having tuned in. Um, please do share uh, the podcast, like it, uh, write a review. So that way it gets promoted in something that has been described to me as an algorithm. So it's like the, the easiest way to evangelize is to write something about this podcast so that other people see it with greater frequency. Again, no idea how it works, but I trust that those <laughs> who have told me so can be relied upon. Um, so we'll look forward to uh, chatting with you again next time on Godsplaining. Thanks so much and God bless. Thanks for listening to God's Planet, a work of the Dominican Friars of the Province of St. Joseph. Visit us at opeast.org.